Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. My name is Joel Knox, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you haven't already, you can check out our media archive on our website, vineyardbrenham.org, or go to our Facebook page at Vineyard Brenham for more media or information about our church. We're so glad you joined us, and here's this week's message. Well, you know that that is the running scene, or the end of the running scene. He had been running now for several years. As a matter of fact, he said he ran for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. If If you're familiar with the movie, you know that that was coming after getting his heart broke that Jenny, his, his, his girlfriend, or actually the love of his life, not really his girlfriend, he never really had an opportunity to. He just called her his girl. And so he decided, I'm tired and I'm ready to go home. And then the guy, one of the guys in the, in the crowd said, well, now what are we supposed to do? Right out here in the middle of, of the desert. I'd like to one day visit that spot. I'd, I've, I'm sure you can find out where it's at on, on the Google, but I haven't done it yet. So um, one of these days we get around to it. Well, I, I want to start by, by it, does, does anyone have a testimony from maybe the past week or and I I actually have a testimony from um, from Leslie she sent me a message and she said she wasn't really comfortable about standing up and saying anything but uh, she wanted to thank God for um, see was it your brother-in-law um, he uh, is really depressed and uh, he tried to commit suicide, right? Well, um, somehow the Lord spared his life. And uh, she just wanted to thank God that he's, he's still with us today. And, and so I wanted to be sure to thank God for that. And, and, uh, and we hope that maybe, maybe sometime we might be able to, to have him here in church with us. So um, anyone else, would, would you like to... Share a testimony. I have one, but I wanted to make sure I, I gave everybody, if you had one yourself, to share it. For your home? I like his uh, ministry, and I think it for my home where I stay at, and he's opening many doors. Well, pray, praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Shauna. Um, it's something really weird seems to be happening for our worship team. Um, and it's become almost cliche now. So we had our first or second get together, I should say, and we met at a pool resort. And uh, we planned this about two months in advance. You know, a couple of us stayed over the night before. 
And uh, you know all that hurricane stuff? Yeah, it came through. <laughs> and the last time we planned this, literally it had been nice, and, and, and we were at uh, Fireman's Park, and it was so bitter cold. And yet the kids wore their thermal underwear. They really wanted to be there. Well, now it's become almost iconic in a sweet way because irony is in the trial of the rain, we were watching the pigs, and we were in the barn at this property, and it it starts to rain, and I'm thinking, I'm from Arizona. It's not that bad. We'll just walk in the rain. Pretty soon, my pastor, we're having a moment. My pastor passes me, and it is pouring. I mean, it is pelting us like, oh, my gosh, we're going to heaven. And yet when we got drenched and we got under the covering, there's Anna and her boyfriend and us, and there was beauty. There was something really, like, we bonded. And I just think that in the trials that God still shows up, and we, the sun came out, and we played in the pool, and it was all good. Y'all, Texas weather, I'm still learning. It was good. So <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Well, I just want to say, in my defense, I was running in flip-flops. <laughs> and it, it started raining. We, we went out. The, this place had a little barn, and we were looking at animals and stuff, and it started raining. And it, it started raining hard. And, uh, I, well, yeah, well, it was, it was one of the bands of the hurricane. And I, I've, I'm, I'm from northeast Texas, and I'm not used to getting wet like within just, like if you step outside the door. And the only times that I've ever just been totally soaked has been in south Texas, and yesterday was one of them. And from, it, it, it was, must have been about 100 yards. I, I looked like I had just, just stepped in the shower. So, um, but we all did because we were trying to get out of the rain. So, anyone else, would you like to share a testimony? Well, I want to I share something that happened to me this past week. Um, I've talked to you a little bit about um, the, the thing that I've been doing with um, discipleship multiplication. And... Uh, one of the things that they've encouraged from the very beginning was to, um, to do a prayer walk through your neighborhood. Well, I started doing this as part of, of the thing, and they also encouraged to start fasting, so I've, I've been doing a little, little fasting. I did, certainly wouldn't hurt, um, but um, I, I've, I've been doing these prayer walks for a while, and, and the, the idea is, is that when you're out to to meet people and talk to people. Well, so far, I've not really had anything more than just maybe a, a hello or, you know, waving at somebody on their porch. You know, one's really wanted to talk too much. And, of course, right now, everybody's so concerned about contact. So it's, it's been kind of welcome, you know, to you just stay where you are and I wave. Well, this past Monday... I went for a walk, and I decided to go to a different, different part of the neighborhood. And I was thinking about going a different direction, but I got a little turned around. So, like, well, I'll walk back to the area that I know where I'm going. And uh, I went out and, and walked up Blinn Boulevard, and there were some kids playing. They were just outside their house, and they're laughing, and they're talking and everything. And, uh, and they're, they're African-American kids. And so, you know, they... I'm a white guy walking by there. They're not paying me any mind. Well, I'm walking along, and I, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord, you know, and, and I'm asking the Lord to bless those kids. Well, all of a sudden, one of the kids, he's about five, 
he, he starts walking next to me and he's, he's waving at me. And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And then another little boy comes out and he's about maybe three, maybe four years old. And he runs down the hill and he says, can I give you a hug? And, and I, I, was, I was shocked. I, I was, uh, you, you want to give me a hug? And he, uh-huh. And so I came over and I, I just gave him just a, a cute little hug. And, and it, was, it was quick, you know, and it was like, and, and I, I thanked him. Well, I, I started walking. Well, he goes back up and he's, he's laughing and you know, the other little boy goes back with him. And then one of the older kids says, you just hugged that white guy. Just thought it was cute. But that was the first contact that I've had on, on my prayer walks. And so I, I just felt like that was the Lord. And I, 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 I was, at one point, I was almost crying, just, just thanking God for that opportunity. But, um, but I, I would encourage you to, if you want to have stories, if you want to have testimonies, get out and about and, in, 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 in get connected with people and see what happens. Because God uses those, those connections. And you, you, you might even have a story to tell. So anyway... Well, as you can see, I've titled my, my message today, and, and, and I, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Um, because we're so small, I can be a little bit more interactive. Now, being interactive is kind of awkward for me, so, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to ask questions. So if, if I ask questions, and they may seem kind of obvious... They may seem like, uh, well, of course, you know, in, in, in simple answers, just humor me and answer, okay? Could you, could you do that? I think that, 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 would, that would help me. But uh, I, I've titled this from, from the statement that one of the runners made to, to Forrest Gump. Now what are we supposed to do? And it, hopefully it'll make sense by the time I'm done. Um, but I think, I think Jesus was possibly the most fascinating person who ever lived. Would you, would you agree with me? And it's, it's no coincidence that after 2,000 years, we're still talking about him. We talk about him hopefully every Sunday, but I also hope that we talk, talk about him on other days besides Sunday. And when, as we're talking about Jesus, I think it's important that we find out as much as we can about him. And quite honestly, it's, it's, it's a sad thing that just about everybody, I think there was an, a poll at one point, every American, most Americans, have at least one Bible in their home. At least. And if you're like my family, I think we're somewhere in the neighborhood about 20, 25. Different versions, different study Bibles, you know. So I, can, I definitely could give away a few probably and, and help folks like that. But... The funny thing that I find is, is that, you know, everybody, they, they, they talk about Jesus, 
They say that they have a relationship with Jesus, but they never read the book that tells about who he is. It doesn't really tell, that they, they don't read about what he did. They don't read about the things that he said. And so it's no wonder whenever people start talking about Jesus that they attribute things to him that, well, he didn't say that. He didn't do that. That I mean, these are the things that Jesus did. These are the things he said. And so it's important to read the book. And I, I like what, what uh, John Wimber used to say when he talked about the Bible. Have, have, have you ever read that book? There's, there's some crazy stuff in that book. And then when you read about Jesus, there's some crazy stuff about Jesus. Have you read it? Have you read what... The Bible has to say about him. Well, today, I wanted to tell a story, and, and this is possibly one of my favorite stories, but it, it comes after a couple of, of really big events that took place in the life of Jesus. And what I'm going to do today, I'm, I'm actually going to cover about 70 verses of Scripture and hopefully I can do that in about 20 minutes. Now, I'm not going to read those 70 verses of Scripture because it would probably take about 20 minutes to read it. But what I, what I would like for everybody here, and I'm going to give you the references here in just a second, but I would like for you to take my homework assignment and read these verses of Scripture. Okay? I'm going to be talking from John chapter 6. But this story, and, and this is the interesting thing. Let, 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 I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, there, these two events that I'm going to be talking about are when Jesus fed the 5,000. You heard that story? Anybody heard that story? Did you read about that before? Okay. And I wanted also talk about when Jesus walked on the water. Now, this isn't my favorite story, but I, I, want, I want to talk about these two stories to get to my favorite story. Okay? Does that make sense? This is context. So it's important to understand why, every, why everything happened, and the reason that it happened was because of what happened before. You follow me? Everybody? Okay. All right. So... <clears throat> The first thing, Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is the one miracle that was recorded in all four Gospels. Now, the interesting thing about it is that there are different details that come with each telling of this particular miracle. And if you just, just for reference for that homework assignment I was talking about, Matthew chapter 14, if you want to take some notes... Matthew chapter 14 tells one aspect of the feeding of the 5,000. Mark chapter 6 also tells about feeding the 5,000. Luke chapter 9 also tells this story, but it doesn't, it just alludes to the second part whenever Jesus walked on the water. 
And then, of course, John chapter 6. Now, according to John chapter 6, this was a major turning point in Jesus' life and ministry. Because up until now, everybody loved Jesus. They thought he was awesome, and they followed him all over the place. Well, in the course of this telling, Jesus says some things and does some things that causes people to step back a little bit. And as we'll see, they decided that they might, well, they, 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 they didn't follow Jesus after that anymore. And this story comes at about two to two and a half years into Jesus' ministry. Jesus' life and ministry lasted for about three and a half years. So by this time, the disciples had spent a lot of time with Jesus. Okay? They saw the, the, the growth of his ministry. They saw the, the influence that he had on, on the people around the region. So th this, was, th this was an important time for them. And all of these people are following Jesus because they want to see a miracle. They want to see what this miracle worker is going to do next. And according to the other versions, the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're following him and then they, they get to a point where they are so far away from their villages and the towns that they've come from. They've just followed Jesus all over. And Jesus turns to the disciples and says, Okay, we've got all these people. He's looking at them. Let's feed them something. And of course they say, Well, Lord, uh, this is a lot of people. And actually, when you look at the, the, the references, they're, they're saying that it's 5,000 men. Well, now how, now, how many of you know that if there's 5,000 men, there's probably maybe 1.5 women more on average? You know, some of these guys might have been bachelors, but most of them were probably married. And if you've got a married couple, there's probably two, maybe three. You know, of course, it wasn't like American standards, so there may be five children per family. So... The numbers grow from 5,000 to possibly 10, maybe 15, even 20,000 people who had been following Jesus around from place to place. And so it, it's no wonder that whenever they get there, it's like, you know, th this is kind of an event. And Jesus tells his disciples, let's do something about this. Let's feed everybody. And they freak out. Have you read the book? <laughs> read it. I want you to read it this week. I want you to, to, to see what was going on whenever this miracle takes place. Okay? So Jesus starts breaking the bread. They, they, they get a lunch from a kid, first of all. You know, poor kid shows up and he, he's, he's taken care of, but, you know, they take his lunch from him. And then they, it's like, well, we've got this meal. How, how far is this going to go with everybody? Maybe we can just break off a little crumb for, you know, and, uh, it, it's not going to go very far. But Jesus starts 
breaking, he gives thanks and then he starts breaking it. And it multiplies. And it continues to multiply. And it continues to multiply so much that there's enough food for everyone and there's 12 baskets full of food left over. Everybody present got something to eat. Well, the reason that I like John's version of this story is that he gives a few details that that you won't find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. John says that after this happened, you know, people, they, they finished their lunch. They start talking to each other, and they're like, we need to make this guy king. If he can do this with, with a few loaves of bread and some fish, imagine what he can do for our country. And John says that as they start doing this, Jesus just kind of slipped off and went into the hills. Well, the disciples start looking around, and they're like, man, what, where did Jesus go? And, of course, they had been with him for a while, and so they, they knew. He, he, I'll bet you he slipped up into the hills, and he's praying someplace. And so, sure enough, they catch up with him, and there he is. Well, this is the first miracle that has just taken place, and that leads into the next Event. I won't say it was a miracle because it's not really listed as a miracle, but I mean, when you talk about walking on water, it's pretty miraculous. So he gathers with the disciples and they're talking and, and they, I'm sure they're, they're visiting about the day. And Jesus, that's what John says, Jesus made them, took them down to the shore and put them in a boat, and sent them out in the water. You see that there? You reading? Is it some of you following along? You, you, I see a few of you looking. Maybe you're looking on your, you've got your Bible, or you've, you're, you're looking at your phone. So he sends them out, and they start across the water. Well, this is the Sea of Galilee. And I, if you've ever heard anything about the Sea of Galilee, it's this neat little lake. It's not really a sea, but... You know, in a, in, a, in a country that's as small as, as Israel was at this point in time, a lake was, took up a lot of acreage, so they could call that the sea. That's my take on it anyway. Maybe one of these days I'll get to go see it. But it, this lake was in a valley. And, and a, a neat thing about this, this area, whenever the weather changed, with the water being down in this valley... Whenever the pressures would change, whenever the winds would change, somehow it affected that, that sea, this, this lake, and the waters would get really agitated just in, in, in a moment's time. And we've, there, there are accounts of whenever Jesus was walking on the water. There's another account whenever he was asleep in the boat. Remember that one? You read that story? He's asleep in the boat. I don't know how he could sleep in a boat whenever all this, this choppy stuff is going on. But he was. And then he stands up and says, peace be still. And everything stops. Well, John says that Jesus 
stayed behind. And the disciples went on across in the boat. Well, in, in Mark's account of this event, he says that Jesus could see them from where he was in the hills. And he saw that they were fighting with the waves, that they are, they're fighting in the boat. And they're struggling. And this is recorded in all four Gospels, that Jesus came down out of the hills and walked out onto the water to the disciples in the boat. Now, that's pretty awesome. The cars... Had the, the band The Cars had, a, had a, a video called Magic, and the guy was walking around in a pool, you know, on the water. Well, of course, you could see that there was a little platform underneath the water. There was no platform in the lake. And it was not magic. It was not magic. He was walking on the water, and he walked out to the boat. And John says that when he got in the boat, it got still, and then all of a sudden, they were at their destination. Pretty amazing. Well, the next day, and this is, this is leading up to my favorite story. The crowd caught up with Jesus. And the other Gospels tell that somehow... The people, they, they just realized, you know, okay, Jesus went into the hills. The, they saw the disciples leave, and they were wondering, how did Jesus get over there? They, they just they started looking for him, they, and they found him. And nobody ever really thought to consider that he might have actually walked on the water. But they start pestering Jesus. Give us another miracle. Come on, perform a sign. Can you, can you do like, something like you did yesterday? Now, they had been talking about making him a king the day before, but today they're wanting, they're wanting another miracle. And he starts talking about the, being the bread of life. And they're, they're well, give us this bread. And, and Jesus says, well, actually, what you're, you're wanting is for me to feed you again. I'm talking about the bread that will give you life. Kind of like whenever he talked to the woman at the well and said, the water that I give you... You'll never be thirsty again. And so he's talking in these terms, and, and, and it's, it's, it's over their head. Yeah. Because they're looking for something material, something that they can put their hands on. And so Jesus then starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Of course, now these are terms that we know as, as talking of communion. And it, and it signifies... The, the sacrifice that he was going to make. They didn't understand this stuff. And the way that he was talking, and, he, and I think he did it just so that he could offend these folks because they weren't really concerned about knowing him. They wanted to find out what he could do for them. You know what I mean? Well, then John goes on to tell us that at this point, Many of his disciples, his disciples, turned and walked away. 
We're not talking about people that were in the crowd. We're talking about people who followed Jesus that were... Because we can see in the Gospels that there were the twelve, and those were the ones who really interacted with Jesus, but there were also other disciples who followed just as closely. They weren't part of that inner circle, but they were definitely part of what Jesus did. They were sent out, you know, the 72, and they, they, they went out just like the twelve did, and they saw the same kind of miracles and the same kind of things happen whenever they went out and proclaimed the kingdom. But John says that these disciples, they turned away. Somehow they were offended by the things that that Jesus was telling them. So much for Jesus becoming king... And everyone was thinking that he'd gone crazy. Well, John continues in John 6, verse 67. Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Are you going to leave too? Have you ever been in in a spot where Jesus didn't quite do what you expected him to do for you. You prayed, you've asked God for something. God, it would be great if you did it like this. It doesn't work out that way. And so we get offended, we're hurt. Well, that's it. I'm not going to go to church anymore. Well, you didn't do it the way I wanted you to, so I, I, I don't think I'm going, to, I'm going to commit myself to this ministry or that ministry because, you know, I did, I did all that and I was expecting you to do this and, and, and now, you know, why am I even here? What am I doing? Does that... Sound familiar to anybody? Well, my favorite part of this passage comes in the next two verses. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom would we go? You have the words that lead to life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. You see, once we've walked with Jesus, there's really no going back. I mean, what is there to go back to? And this is, this is a man who had, scholars say, had a family that whenever he left his nets to follow Jesus. He walked away from everything. And at one point, he even, whenever he was ta- Jesus was talking about the rich man, you know, and, and he, he told him to sell everything, and, and you know, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Well, Jesus was talking to him about how hard it is to get into the kingdom. And Peter said, Lord, we left everything to follow you. And he did. 
He left everything. But here he was at this point in time. And he was like, Lord, where can we go? You're the one who's the life. You're the one with the words of life. And I think we know the rest of the story. Ten of these disciples, including Peter, died as martyrs for Jesus and for the gospel. John was the only one who died of old age. Of course, we know that that Judas hanged himself. But of the twelve, ten of them gave their lives and, and actually, their, their martyrdom was, was extremely brutal. Peter was hung upside down because he, he could not even bear to be hung right side up like his Lord. Now, how did Peter come to that conclusion? Because in the other gospel accounts... Jesus was having a conversation. I believe this is in in Mark. Maybe you can look and and you can tell me. (laughs) But Jesus was talking to him and and he, he said, okay, all these people are saying all these things about me. Who do you say that I am? Remember what Peter said? You are the Christ. How did he come to that conclusion? He spent time with Jesus. He got to know who he was. And later on he even said, we testify about the things that we've seen, the things that we've touched, that we've handled, that we've experienced. He wasn't just talking about, well, I just decided that I was going to be a Christian one day. He committed himself to relationship with a person. And that person was Jesus. So, how can we come to that same conclusion? Because that's what we're called to do. In the same way that Jesus asked Peter, he asks us, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Well, in the coming weeks, beginning next week, I'm going to be starting a new, a new series. And I, I, my goal for this, and I'm, I'm calling it going on a journey. And my goal for this series is for us to engage with Jesus and, and to, to even to observe the old ways. You know, in, in Jeremiah it says, go stand and look for the ancient ways that you might draw near to me. 
Because that, that's what we're called to do is to know God. And, you know, I, I've, I've, I've noticed this in myself, you know, in, in the last, throughout this pandemic, really. Trying to make time. Well, it seems like we, we try to make, we make the time in like the, you know, the extra as far as like, well, you know, I got my show that I watch, I got this that I do, and all this kind of stuff. And rather than than orienting our schedule around how to develop that time and relationship with Jesus, it's kind of like trying to to make Him fit into our schedule instead of fitting our schedule into His. And in the way that Jesus said that you don't pour new wine into old wineskins, you can't patch those things up. You can't, you know, or, or patch a cloth. You don't patch it with a, with a new cloth because you, it, it'll tear the old cloth. The idea is, is that you have to replace that thing. You, you need a new wineskin to hold the new wine. And Jesus didn't come to just be a patch that we apply to our, to our, our, our messed up clothes. He came to give us a new life. So I want us over the next, and it'll be about 13 weeks, but I want us to, to explore drawing near to Jesus. And, you know, we're a small enough group now that we can, we can kind of hold each other accountable and we can, we can stay in touch and, and, and just see how we're doing as we go through this. But I, I think by the time we get to the end that we're going to experience a life change. Because even now, you know, we, we, we well, you know, I, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. But I, I think we, we were only starting to scratch the surface of how much He loves us and how much He wants us to be in relationship with Him. So, this is how I would like for us to end. If you, if you feel like that you need to make a decision again, because quite honestly, I think it was Dallas Willard that said that, that you have to make a commitment every morning when you get out of bed. God, I commit myself to you. I commit my body to you. Before I ever put my feet on the floor, I'm committing myself to you today. And if, you, if you're in a place where you need to make a commitment to Jesus, you might want to just say a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I give you myself. I give you me. Come change me. Come fill me. Come renew me. Do your work in me. Because I want to know you. Maybe you're here today and you need God's intervention. 
Maybe you need a miracle. God's provision. Maybe you need healing in your body. I'd like to give some space for that, if we can. And I also, I'm going to circle back, and this is something that, that, that Pam said a couple of weeks ago. That there, there I, I, and I, I feel like this is the case, that there's, there are some folks, you've asked God for something, and you've just kind of given up. Well, maybe he doesn't hear me. Maybe this is something that I just have to, have to live with, I have to deal with. And I feel like the Lord wants to tell you if that's what you're feeling is that He cares about your situation and that He wants to intervene and He wants to move and He wants to heal you. Just need to keep asking. So, can we stand? These are the areas that I, I, I feel like we need to pray. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Father, we, we need a fresh touch. We need our relationship with you to be fresh and be alive. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and breathe your life into us.